Hey, podcast listeners, this is Kobe from the Common Thread Podcast. Uh, this is the second part of our episode with Professor Oscar Martinez Tapia from Nabrija University, as well as IE in Madrid. Uh, in this episode, we're going to broaden out from the regional nationalism topic into some ideas about how Spain looks in context, in the context of the populist wave sweeping Western democracies, and uh, also how modernization is reforming some civic habits uh, in a lot of different uh, in a lot of different societies. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll look forward to talking to you after. political life in Barcelona and in Catalonia, it needs to be focused now on um, the electoral results of the uh, 21st of December. Right. Now, if we, um, we, if we stay more or less in the same numbers as we had right now, uh, of course, Madrid and the government in Madrid by the Partido Popular, um, I've, I've said this plenty of times, it's lacking creativity, it's mm -hmm. lacking generosity. Is lacking What do you mean by generosity? It's lacking generosity because they have not really been able to sit down. And this is not a problem that comes from last year or the year before. This is a problem that comes from 2008 and 2011. Okay, those two dates. Now, not only the economic crisis, but in 2008, there was the negotiation for the new Estatuto de Autonomía in Catalonia. The Estatuto de Autonomía for each of the regions is a mini constitution. Yeah. All right, so they needed to be uh, updated and They were asking to be recognized as a nation within uh, Spain, uh, which obviously, and, 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 and of course, they were asking for a new financial model, right. uh, because at the end of the day, and the bottom line is that money is an important element on this process that had been opened. And now um, this new uh, model of fi financing uh, Catalonia was not approved in Madrid. Then it went to the constitutional court that you know, yeah. ruled out uh, any possibility uh, or you know, some of the articles of this new Estatuto de Autonomía. And, uh, and then you have an absolute majority in 2011 of the Partido Popular, who is actually, let's remind the American audience, is collecting votes outside Catalonia on the anti-Catalan feeling because right. in Catalonia the Partido Popular, the conservative party that governs in Madrid, it's almost a marginal party. Yeah. Can, can we go back to that real quick? So it's one of the things that we've talked about um, in a different episode where we were dealing with Catalan nationalism mm. is the fact that the Estatuto was rearranged, mm -hmm. voted on, mm -hmm. um, both, in, both in referendum yes. and... By uh, the Catalans, yes. By the Catalans mm -hmm. and by Las Cortes Generales. Exactly. However, In 2010, it was struck down mm -hmm. by the uh, constitutional, constitutional court. court yes. By the constitutional court, and so um, that it was struck down for uh, for because of many statutes. One of which was the one which reclassified Catalonia from a, as a nation, from mm -hmm. a historical nationality mm -hmm. to a nation. Mm -hmm. um, and what I wanted to ask is, what, were there other elements? Are you saying, are you suggesting that there are economic elements for which it was struck down as well? Mm -hmm. uh, and can you can you describe those? Because I don't think I've heard much about that. Yeah, yes. I mean, the the uh, the, the, the new financial uh, uh, way uh, for Catalonia was included within the Estatuto de Autonomía, and 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 let's face it. I mean, it was it was actually calling for a real negotiation, a real negotiation that did not actually take place and if it took place that we don't know because that would probably be behind the uh, the cameras or uh, uh, not filmed mm -hmm. um, 
you know, the negotiation was not uh, successful. Why? Because among all the reasons, probably the Catalans were asking for too much. Probably we already seen the Catalan elites um, knowing that the economic crisis was there, knowing that the Partido Popular was going to win the next election. Now, strategically, it was not stupid to push for something that they knew was going to be rejected. Mm. All right now, yeah, because they can start. They can. They can. Because then yeah. they can make a case for themselves. Yeah. Right? and I do believe, um, in all honesty and in all tolerance that I can uh, that I can afford myself. Okay, so I'm, I'm we having this interview in Madrid, and I am from Madrid, but I, I, I really try to understand these guys from outside. Yeah, because Madrid has also this way of uh, being somehow slightly authoritarian, especially when. There is authoritarian does not mean dictatorship, does not mean, uh, uh, you know, that we live in, in, in uh, you know, with our rights suspended or anything like that. On contrary, it's, it's, a, it's a full-fledged democracy. But, you know, uh, when the, the, the Partido Popular in Madrid rules and governs with an absolute majority, they have certain disregard for the parliament because they don't need it. Right. Right? This is one of the problems uh, that, that, that we have in Spain that we need to uh, now... Uh, uh, reform the constitution so we move on to a much more right. sort of democratic and, and federal state. Right. Uh, on that subject, and this is one of the one of the last things I think is really important to cover, though, is um, how did the the reshaping of the party system um, throughout the two thousands, with uh, first the entrance of Ciudadanos yes. and later the entrance of Podemos, um, change the way that that this whole system existed? So, for instance, Ooh. with the entrance of Ciudadanos, that changed the right in uh, in, in Spanish politics. Of course. Um, with with the entrance of Podemos, that Ooh. might that change the left. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, one of the questions we could ask out of many, of course, is that Ooh. with the entrance of Ciudadanos, which emerged initially out of Barcelona in Catalonia yes or in Catalonia mm -hmm. um, how did that change the way Feu which is also the right it's the right regional party the people mm -hmm. that we were talking about as the crown makers in Madrid mm -hmm. um, how did that change the way Feu approached the, the uh, negotiations with Madrid mm -hmm. no that's that's an excellent question now the Spanish party system had been um, basically a two party system two-and-a-half-party yeah. system in which both PP and PSOE, center-left and center-right, uh, they were alternating in power. That's not very uh, typical of a multi-party system or a proportional representation system, but our electoral system uh, sort of um, uh, manufactures these uh, majorities. That has been good for uh, the beginning of the transition to democracy for the first uh, 20, 30 years because uh, we had a strong government. Now, after 2008, basically 2007, uh, with the eruption of Podemos and Ciudadanos, uh, it has, a, I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult to break through the uh, threshold of the electoral system. And these guys, they did it. Now, this shows probably that the political clientels and the political culture in Spain is changing towards more um, it's changing towards more democratic and you know the old party loyalties are uh, somehow um, uh, somehow dissolving mm -hmm. and uh, we do have 
new people, especially young people that are starting to vote for political parties that were not there before. Of course, we had a crisis of representation. This is not unique of Spain. Uh, citizens in all most Western societies, they, they start to show this distance, uh, what we call the, the political gap, uh, representation, represent, representational gap between the politicians and their, uh, and their uh, citizens. Now, um, it is, in my opinion, a little, a little early to open the champagne and decide or state, establish that the party system is going to stay like this for uh, for uh, you know a couple of more decades, uh, yeah. we have to wait a little bit to see if if well, both Ciudadanos and Podemos they actually yeah. uh, they actually take their space, the ideological space, which is normally quite crowded, especially on the left wing. Um, why am I saying this? Um, first of all, Podemos is the consequence of this Indignados movement. Uh, which is basically people frustrated with the economic crisis and the way in which polit right. uh, political politicians have been dealing with it. Yes. Right. If I could just enter here to, to put some context, that is, in 2011, the 15M movement, the, yes. uh, March, which is yes. yeah, which is uh, the stands for the 15th of March. Yeah. Hey, podcast listeners, I have to interject here just to uh, make a quick correction. Uh, we both said the 15th of March. It actually was the 15th of May 2011. However, this is a really nice place to interject because I'd like to note that while I was in Spain, I actually recorded some episodes on someone who, who specializes in studying or who wrote a book studying the uh, 15M movement in Spain, uh, in Madrid, as well as across the country, and how that inspired uh, protests uh, really around the world from the Arab Spring to Occupy in the United States. So uh, please do take a look at that. It's an interview with Professor John Snyder. Let's get back to this episode. Um, that's basically when there was an Occupy movement that yes. um, occupied Plaza del Sol, which is the, in the heart mm -hmm. of Madrid. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was um, left-wing, and it was citizen grassroots-oriented, and it was, was anti-politician, it was anti-political mm -hmm. system. Yes. And that, that actually, just for the context of American listeners, inspired our Occupy Wall Street movement. Absolutely. And, so, and it inspired uh, Arab Spring protesters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that was the origin of that in 2011, and that momentum eventually found its way into a political party, which is Podemos mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's just to clarify and provide context to what exactly yes. Podemos is right now. And so what you're saying is that what we need to, to, to um, spend some time to see or, or let, let time decide, let time judge, is whether or not the sort of multiplication of the parties within mm -hmm. the Spanish political system. So now you have sort of two primary parties on the left and two primary parties on the right. Mm -hmm. Pesoy and Pepe, left mm -hmm. and right, mm -hmm. were the former sort of monopolists or duopolists of the mm -hmm. political system. Mm -hmm. And then now you have on the left Podemos mm -hmm. and you have on the right Ciudadanos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now Podemos is uh, 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 to the left of the left, of yeah. the left socialists, while Ciudadanos yeah. is, uh, you know, to the left of the right. Yeah, to but the still, yeah. exactly, it would be typically a center, center-right party, some sort of the demo-Christian uh, party uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, let me go back for a minute to uh, the 15M uh, uh, movement that it was beautiful. 
It was beautiful. I was in Madrid and I was lucky enough to, uh, I did not sleep uh, uh, at the Plaza <laughs> Sol because I live near, uh, nearby and, and I'm not that young anymore and I like my bed. <laughs> but, um, but I was there almost every day uh, looking at the process. It was just uh, uh, so full of life, so beautiful. Uh, people, were, uh, people were angry and frustrated with the politicians, so it was an anti-establishment movement. But they were happy to to put together all this energy, but then ended up in the creation of Podemos. So Podemos somehow is an opportunistic uh, political party that comes uh, when, especially the socialist party that had traditionally been, you know, the, 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 the largest party on the left and, you know, the main party in Spain, because it has governed more years than any other party uh, in Spain. And they have been moving towards the center in this sort of centripetal move. Now, they, the socialists, they left space to the left. And that is the space that Podemos took, mm -hmm. right? Now, Podemos, we know that they do have right now 5 million votes, more or less. But we also know that these votes are the most volatile votes in the whole party system. Mm -hmm. All right? So these guys can, uh, can easily change uh, towards the uh, Socialist Party, especially some of them to Ciudadanos, not so many of them. Right. Can, can I actually ask about that, that the, the volatility of that vote mm. uh, and go back to something we were talking about earlier. We were talking about the way the Spanish political system was designed for concentrated votes. Mm -hmm. So for example, the, the way Penelope and Basque Country can actually get, could get more representation than the Communist yeah. Party. Mm -hmm. With the Communist Party uh, today having sort of merged in something called Izquierda Unida, mm -hmm. um, are those Communist votes potentially accessible to Podemos? Yeah. And would Podemos accessing those Communist votes then give sort of mm -hmm. Communist ideology greater representation in the Spanish political system because Podemos is national and, is, and, and can be concentrated? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, uh, as a matter of fact, um, Izquierda Unida, which is yeah. the old uh, Partido Comunista de España, yeah. um, they actually merge with Podemos. Okay, so Podemos is called Unidos Podemos now, uh, all right? Okay, because okay. they, I mean, they are different parties, all right? But they work together, right? All right, for now. Uh, so we don't know if that was very smart for both Podemos and Izquierda Unida. Now, what we do know is that together they should have been stronger, and they weren't. Right, which you know, uh, they actually last year in 2015 we have a, a very busy electoral year in Spain. Now the December elections that needed to be repeated, uh, then June uh, 2016 in December, Unidos and Izquierda Unida, Podemos, sorry, Podemos and Izquierda Unida, they competed in different platforms and they did okay, uh, each of them. Uh, and then they decided to go together in the June election and they actually lost votes. Wow. All right, to, okay. to the previous sum, you know, of yeah. both of them together. So, especially some of the old school communists did not really enjoy the fact that they were uh, melting into yeah. uh, Podemos, that is very much. A personalistic party uh, for Pablo Iglesias, uh, the, yeah. the main leader, uh, who's actually losing a lot of the support. And and again, in the last surveys, we are uh, we are pointing towards the fact that these guys these guys are a party for uh, you know for not only angry and frustrated people, but also for uh, you know young guys that. Uh, 
they are revolutionary when they are young. Okay, just yeah. I mean, you too should be revolutionary. My students should be revolutionary, <laughs> but they have too much to lose uh, if they go to a revolution. So you know, you guys not revolutionary anymore. Not to talk about the demographics. There's there's no young people anymore. But that is a totally different question. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> if you think Americans uh, think about this, in uh, apparently in 1964, over 40% of the American population was under 25 years old. Um, you know, of course, the 60s did happen, you yeah, know, uh, yeah, because yeah. demographics do count. Now, you know, and the civil rights movement, etc., etc. Now, you know, we don't have anything similar uh, in Western societies. Maybe this would be uh, a good topic for another podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. Demographics, demographics, my last obsession, but, you know, American audience, uh, this, is, this is in part also, you know, presumably why Trump, you know, had a, a, a little go also uh, mm-hmm. in the American elections, right? Because, you know, like all, 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 uh, Americans are not having children anymore. Like, you know, they're, yeah. the ones who are having children are Latinos and African-Americans, not yeah. white uh, Americans. And this right. is something to uh, that, you know, right. it's worrying for some people, <laughs> this, of course. This is definitely, I mean, that's that's a subject that the demographic one is uh-huh, a subject for a whole podcast where we're talking about Western, uh, Western countries having very low fertility rates. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at Poland right now. Sorry, yeah. sorry, audience. We are getting off topic now. But oh, it's okay. Uh, Pol- I'll either edit this out or just yeah, edit it because you know, <laughs> in Poland, a couple of weeks ago, we had a demonstration of this nationalist party law and order, uh, which is actually in in law and justice in power with the Kaczynski, one of the Kaczynski twins, and yeah. and they were extremely nationalistic and extremely um, uh, extremely uh, 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 sort of uh, religious, and they had a, a demonstration uh, that we. Believe in God, right? And the the actual government had released an ad on TV, paid with taxpayers' money, that in which two rabbits, two rabbits, are talking to each other, telling each other that they have to, they need to have kids, uh, and 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 that the Polish women they need to be rabbits, and the Polish people they need to act. act as rabbits, all right? Now, now imagine, you know, the commotion uh, of this, but, you know, think that the Polish women are having 1.2 children per women, all right? Now, replacement level is 2.1 children per women, which is where you guys are, not for much longer, yeah. all right? Because you are going uh, down, and this is because Latinos and African Americans, uh, and in Spain, we are 1.32 children per women. Now, not only we are losing population, so we need immigrants, another of the great contradictions of our times, all right? Okay. But also, we are becoming so much more nationalist, because, you know, somehow, in Western societies, we have this in Built component of our own destruction, you know, by not having kids. Right. And this is there's an American professor called Ronald Ingerhard, Ronald Ingerhard uh, from the University of Michigan. They had a very very extraordinary theory called the Silent Revolution theory, which is you know the value change that happened in in starting in the United States. Uh, in the 1960s with education and increasing levels of physical and economic security that will uh, turn our values to post-materialist values. Now, there is also now a counter-silent revolution. Now, the conservatives are not just going to stay there, you know, seeing how everyone is doing yoga and eating organic products and and being so selfish. Well, that's part of this reactionary, that's part of this reactionary... Populist wave, yes. Populist wave. And actually, that that might be the nice little segue into this last question that I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask, 
which is that if we're talking about right-wing populism, which seems to be the the central feature of a lot of Western political uh, Western uh, mm-hmm. politics right now, a lot yes. of democracies right now. We saw it, of course, in the United States. We saw it with Marine Le Pen in France. In France We've seen yeah. it uh, law, law and Hungary, Justice Party in Poland. Poland uh, you know, Finland, we Sweden, can go down the list, Norway. Yeah. Yes, uh, AFD in Germany. Uh, we can Netherlands, go down the list. Netherlands, you know, Belgium, right. everywhere, everywhere. Spain seems to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that, that we were talking about before we started recording was, was the fact that your theory is that the, the, the Spanish populism that's, that is manifesting itself right now is elite-driven and, and, and um, the, the, the oil is poured on the flames by the elites, the mm-hmm. nationalist mm-hmm. populist movement. Mm-hmm. That seems to be contrary to what's happening in the rest of the Western world, mm-hmm. where we see these sort of 4chan-type internet forums that are fomenting all sorts of what we call in the United States alt-right or semi-fascist yes. views, mm-hmm. and that is now manifesting itself in the political system. So mm-hmm. it comes from those sort of grass—you you can call them grassroots, I suppose you can yeah. call them um, popular— uh, forums and moving into the political system. Here, it's happening in the opposite direction. It's coming mm. from the elites, and it's and it's trickling down. Yeah. Um, can you explain that mm. in the way that Spain is a little bit different in that respect? Uh, yeah, only in that respect. I mean, you know, we in Spain we we like to think that we are different, and and a lot of people talk about the Spanish exceptionality. But uh, um, it is true that um, when you look at Catalonia right now, uh, most of these. Um, uh, independent uh, process uh, is coming mainly from the left mm-hmm. all right now and in the Basque country although it's a little bit more even between left and right the most radical guys have been on the left now the explanations for these uh, of course they are diverse and uh, many uh, if I had to should my um, answer first of all we still have quite a large memory of the recent past with uh, Franco and the Franco dictator, all right? And, and, and of course, the fact that uh, we do have a lot of grannies, uh, another, uh, again, demographics, I think we are one of the oldest countries in, in the European Union, and we are going to be one of the oldest countries in the world after Japan, if not the oldest, in, in 2050. Now, there are a lot of people alive still from that time. Now, the memory is still very alive. We don't want to remove too much okay, the uh, ideas of the right-wing uh, xenophobic uh, uh, from the past. Um, and then Partido Popular... Is, is a catch-all conservative party that takes most of the voters from the 5 to the 10 of ideological scale and they somehow moderate the discourse okay, within the political party due to the, also to the electoral system. Now, why in Spain um, most of the challenges to the political system they come from the left? Now, again... Um, I think the, the, the most of the Spanish population and, and, and there are studies about this um, they place themselves uh, on the left wing okay, mm-hmm. central left wing right. now um, also we have lived through the Spanish economic miracle mm-hmm. all right? now I was born in a poor country and over my lifetime and I'm really not that old um, oh, I, I like to think that way. Um, 
I've seen how we uh, become rich. All right? Right. Now, now, of course, there's a price to pay for this. If you mm. want to play first world uh, uh, Champions League, uh, you need to leave the siesta on, a, on the side. You need to yeah. uh, change yeah. your culture quite a lot. I mean, in yeah. fact, um, maybe this is one of the disappointment of the uh, disappointments of the uh, of the foreigners that come to to Spain and now see uh, a country in which people are not dancing flamenco on the streets and, right. and and we are not all gypsies. In fact, you know, gypsies are perfectly integrated right now. Yeah. So most of the uh, sort of demands they come from the people who have been losing more by this economic crisis and by this sort of mafia politics. Now, let's remind uh, uh, the American audience that we have tremendous and, 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 and almost uh, immortal uh, corruption scandals. The Partido Popular, the Conservative Party, our Republican Party, um, is going to be the first party in our history to be put on court as a party. Yeah. based on corruption yeah. as a party. Yeah, that's not to say that any individual politician, that's the, the party itself. The party the itself yeah. as an institution is going to be sitting on the bench, yeah. you know, on, on a courthouse. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you can, you can listen to a lot of conspiracy theory out there saying that uh, for the Partido Popular, for the Conservatives, it's actually pretty handy that Catalonia is making so much noise with independence because they can play hard, old-school, uh, strong, muscle conservative, okay, sort of Trump-like, yeah. if you like, although it's difficult to equal uh, uh, Trump, uh, the Twitter guy. But again, you know, most of the people that have been losing most uh, during the economic crisis and from the corruption have been the normal people. And the normal people in Spain, they still, they still right, they're still left wing. They're yeah. still left wing, and they have actually, they have actually been voting for Podemos. Podemos is populist, but on the left wing. Right. All right. So Podemos has been tremendously successful and they are political science professors and I know some of them of course because we studied yeah. together now um, uh, uh, these guys they have been able to channel the discontent from the left yeah. not from the right yeah. right why because we don't have an immigration problem in Spain <coughs> sorry uh, we only have like uh, about 10% of our immigration yeah. uh, I mean all the total population is immigrant and uh, 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 we don't really have an insecurity uh, uh, problem uh, on the streets, all right? We are one of the safest yeah. places on the Western world. This is incredible. Yeah. But both of, those fa- both, of, both of those things that you say are actually manifest um, just by walking through Madrid or getting to know yes. Madrid. I mean, you walk from the wealthiest parts of Madrid uh, to the poorest parts of Madrid, and... I mean, there's there's a difference, but it's not so marked as the one you see when you walk from uh, the richest parts of New York City to the poorest parts of New York City. Yes. Um, and and that's that, that's that is a a political a function of the political and, and economic status of Spain yes. and the way that it's um, the way that it manifests itself in in the the, the landscape of this city and the and landscape of the country too mm-hmm. I mean physical security is very important for uh, I mean to call for this immig- uh, anti-immigration uh, populist uh, movements yeah I was recently in Paris uh, yeah, I'm sorry Parisians um, is not safe 
Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's not safe. I mean, certainly there's always more uh, fear than danger. Yeah. There's no doubt. All right. Yeah. But, but it is true that the number of immigrants that are um, angry yeah. and frustrated and then they show it on their faces um, and this could be intimidating right. you know, for, right. uh, let's say, the, uh, the, the, the normal French, if there is anything uh, like that. Now, here in Spain, you don't see that much of a security problem. Um, uh, again, it is tremendously homogeneous racially, right. uh, which, again... Um, there is a correlation between heterogeneity, racial heterogeneity, and, 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 and religious heterogeneity and, 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 and insecurity. Now, that is not to say that this is uh, uh, correct yeah. and, and, and can be used you know, right. as a political weapon, okay, but there is certain correlation between these two variables. Now, in Spain, um, uh, let's not forget also that the family life and the family is... Uh, the family structure is still uh, very much important, right. very much important, right. All right? And this is something probably that, that, that America had at some point, but I don't think it has anymore. America right. is not really that important. Uh, I mean, the family in America is not really that important, and that's, that's a shame. Truly, somehow. truly. I mean, I mean, that's something that I think we've, we've experienced as mm. students here living with Spanish families. Um, is the centrality of the family. And one of the shames, actually, you mentioned uh, sort of as, a, as an indicator of what the price of modernization was, is the loss of the, loss of the siesta. And, and, and to, you know, in a very real sense, when we showed up here and they gave us an orientation, mm. they said, you know, don't go asking Spaniards about their siestas because especially in a place like Madrid, a place that's super urban and super modern, mm. um, that, that's one of the casualties of modernization, one of the casualties of, of getting wealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a drama. Only, only grannies can afford to uh, sleep a siesta. It is true that when, yeah. I mean, do not call to the house of anyone that is over 60 years old between uh, 3 and 5 people. Right, right. Never, never do that. Never call anyone. Uh, I mean, luckily these days we do have, we can turn the phone off or we can just put it yeah, in yeah. silence. But in the old school times, I mean, I mean people would get really, really mad at you. Yeah. Um, it's like calling someone a, at midnight. It's yes, a, you know, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a collateral damage. Uh, but also, uh, also the food, uh, also the prices. Yeah. Um, also the fun, okay, when I was your age, uh, bars never closed, yeah. uh, uh, food was uh, delicious <laughs> and cheap. Now, you guys, I'm sorry, uh, with all my love, you guys uh, are changing all well, this uh, somehow. Let, let me know, let me just note that um, we, we live in Boston and comparatively, Madrid is open much later. But I understand, I understand your point, I understand your point. Yeah, and, it, and it's not all about, it's not all about partying. Uh, because yeah. we know that we're going to pay the price for that, you know, yeah, for yeah. being uh, a party, party culture. Uh, we drink a lot. I mean, there's no uh, uh, statistics. We use too many drugs here, yeah. uh, kind of functionally somehow, which I don't know how we do it to, um, uh, to, to get our, our stuff together. But um, 
there is a price to be paid if you're rich, and yeah. and I think Americans have paid a, a very very high price for for being rich. I think money has replaced uh, some other beautiful values that you had in your culture. Uh, solidarity. I mean, look at it. I mean, you don't even have Thanksgiving anymore. You have Black Friday. I mean, what the hell, guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, people, you know, you just you know spend a uh, Thanksgiving night uh, queuing up. You know, I mean, the Palmer store amazes, you know, to get a, a, a bloody a flat TV. Are we all crazy or what? Uh, I mean, this... Uh, uh, and, and we need to really, really rethink the basis in which we are building our uh, Western societies. And there are some movements out there. And, of course, uh, social democracy, north of uh, Europe type, Scandinavian yeah. style or Mediterranean style, They're, you know, Latino, it's extremely fashionable these days. When, when I was younger, Latino was very ghetto. Uh, now it's super fashionable. And I bet part of this is because we still appreciate talking to people. We still appreciate uh, time with friends. We still appreciate uh, friendship and, and social life and, and, and hanging out in bars and restaurants and, and um, I think you guys and a lot of people are losing this and it's something to be, uh, to be worried about. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, uh, I mean, thank you so much. You took us from everywhere from, from the history of uh, you know, nationalist political parties to, to commentary on, on the culture and the way of the way modernization is changing uh, changing Western societies. I was really I'm thankful for the, for the chance to speak to you and have this conversation and uh, you know thanks for joining us. Absolutely thank you to you guys and uh, it's a, it's always a pleasure. Okay now just just to uh, let's look at the, at the always the, the the big picture. Try to look at the big picture because there are no small pictures in, in political life. That would be my, my recommendation to you. Hey podcast listeners, this is Kobe. Uh, there are no small pictures in political life. That is some sage wisdom right there. We are very thankful to Professor Oscar Martinez Tapia for joining us, and we're thankful to you for listening to the episode. Uh, I'd like to note before I leave also that uh, we have a lot of content coming uh, from what I recorded in Spain that deals with Spanish politics and uh, some of the very interesting issues that go on there. I noted earlier in this episode the fact that we talked to Professor John Snyder about the 15M movement, which deals with activism and forms and manifestations of activism in Spain and how they affect forms and manifestations of activism globally. So please tune into that uh, as well as some other episodes that we have coming down the pipeline. Thanks so much, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon.